former commissioner of the U.S. Customs Service. And the last thing we need in this country is a black market in cigarettes. But that's exactly what will happen if Washington raises cigarette prices to $5 a pack. And with a black market, children will have unregulated access to cigarettes. Instead of addressing the problem of underage smoking, Washington is about to create a huge new law enforcement problem. If you're concerned where Washington is headed, call 1-800-343-3222. My fandom started back in the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. And my, my grandparents, well, specifically my grandmother got me into it um, during the, the Hawk days, the golden era of the 80s. And um, I followed them, like I said, man, all the way up until probably the mid 90s. I was in junior high and it was becoming just a cartoon, man, with the wrestling dentist and, and dumpster men. And I just couldn't so, do it. But what was you watching in the 80s? Was you watching WWF or was you watching NWA or...? I was a Vince guy, always been a Vince guy. And I would hear about those other dudes. Uh, and if they were available, if it was on TV, I would watch it. But I would just compare them to WWF. I was like, okay, so this guy's supposed to be the Hogan guy. This guy's supposed to be like the Macho Man guy. And, yeah. you know, I just, yeah. it, I, I think it was the older kids that were really into NWA because they consider that more real wrestling. And yeah, I was a like kid. Like, as, as wrestling fans, like the WWF really like brainwashed us into thinking everything else was hot trash. Like, I, I, yep. even back in the day, I struggled to look at like British wrestling now. People are quite nostalgic about it, and, you know. But and I, I can watch it now and enjoy it. But I, as a kid, it was the most embarrassing thing. I can, you know, <laughs> Yes, I, I, you'd have to know a little about it to understand, but it was really like shit, you know. But um, but, but now, you, but because you, you hear the stories from Regal and, and whoever else, you, you know what I mean. You can put context to it. You can enjoy it for for, for what it was. But yeah, like the, the WWF, just the, 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 the what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the finesse, like the, the show they put on, the spectacle, you know. And, mm -hmm. That's what that's what is, and that that's what always attracted me as an artist. I think you know, like you'd look through the the, the, uh, the magazines, and you get the sticker books and the trading cards, and you know, I, I'd love to look at the images. But there's an artist, is it Tom Fle Fleming or something like this? I think he, he used to work with the with the WWE, and he say his art is is iconic. Like you know, it you're from the Royal Rumble. Um, the uh, VHS cover. Oh, that's, that's the guy. Okay, like yeah, we I'm, talked about that guy. Yeah, what, what was his uh, name? I, I'll have to fact check it, but in, in my mind, it's Tom Fleming. His art like changed the game, man. I heard him on a podcast recently as well. But what one of the um, Brian Last ones? Um, what one of them anyway? Was Tom Fleming was on the only he tells his story. And it's fascinating because as a kid, like his art really inspired me. You know, like just just 
just like the, you said, the, the Royal Rumble. Um, what year was that? Ninety-one. Ninety-one. I think that was the first one. Was it? And then they did it again in ninety-two. I think he said he, he definitely did the tur- There's a turkey one that they did once for um, for Survivor Series. Yeah. And uh, I think Lex Luger. You know, he's got the he's got the uh, utensils with Tataka in the Steiner brothers. Exactly. The, yeah, but that that stuff really inspired me. You know, and, and um, just just stuff. It's just uh, great, isn't it? You know, there's just so much memorabilia and so much uh, pop culture involved in the wrestling. I think that's what attracts me more. I think that's probably what's brought me back into it. You know. Um, I don't really watch the modern product as much as I go back onto the old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the toys are what, when I was, if I think back to when I was a little kid, like, I don't know what the first thing I, like, that I saw of wrestling that made me really like it. It had to be Hulk Hogan. It just had to be. But, like, those toys that were, it's that it's the WWF ones. It was like kind of caricatures. Like they had a little bit of movement. Like Hulk would, yeah. you know, right grab you. <laughs> have, have you still got yours? Yes, I actually am. I was gonna dig them out, but my mom is a pack rat, so she has all my toys from being a kid, and they're in my closet right now, just in a, a big bag. Yeah, well, my my mother gave all mine away to some to some kid, some lucky kid. That's that does suck, but yeah, I, there's a lot that I lost. But I will say, uh, WCW did have um, they didn't they had no movement. They were like hard plastic, but they were yeah. really detailed, dude. I, I had a flying Brian Pillman one that was just stuck in like this position with the tiger striped uh, briefs on. Yeah, that's uh, it. That I remember. <laughs> When you was a kid, that really annoyed you, didn't it? But now you look back on it, they just yeah. There you go. That's it, dude. That's it. That's hard plastic. Got a little um. That's it. But now I really appreciate it. I love it. Like I, I, I wish that you were all like that. This is Steve G and Matt G with Happened in the 90s, a show where we talk about what happened in the 90s. So get out your best of Matt Lock and your British Bulldog t-shirts, because bitch, please, get down on your goddamn knees for this money chronic clothes and weed. Look, you're dealing with some real OGs. Bitch, please. We got a special guest today. You might have seen his work on various social media. He does dope stuff. Dope art, man. His name is Main Event Rich. Kiss the ring. Give it up. Thank you very much. What, what what an introduction that was. I felt like I was walking out in front of 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium. You will one day. 
Yeah. One day, Rich, man. <laughs> yeah. Followed by the security guards. <laughs> like Gobert. Oh, yeah, exactly. You're there, Main though. Main event, Rich. Main event, Rich. I, I was, I was going to ask, what yeah. do you think of the, of the name Main Event Rich? I think it's fire. Yeah. Memorable. Marketable. I love it. I like, I like to hear this, but until very recently, I was illustration by Rich, which I heard... I heard myself mentioned on a podcast, and the person just butchered it. They couldn't re- they, they couldn't read it. So I had a chat with with, with my friend Jack, and we came up with main event rich. But I'm I'm happy to hear everything you just said. Then, thank you very much. Um, it's unfortunate that you had to dumb down your social uh, media ID for the illiterate. Uh, because I, I, I was following you, I was following you back in those days, and I do remember that. Um, but main event, Rich, it, it's smoother. It's easier yeah. on the palate. It's way, and it's not you like illustrations by Rich. That's you're not going to remember that either. So you made the right call. It's definitely good. I like that. that, that, that that's what I like to say. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Plus, it's branded. You got all this wrestling content that you're putting out right now. I mean, I love that. It, it goes that's, with the art, so it works. I, I, I've, been, I've been pushing the brand. You know, I've been push, pushing the logo and, and so on. You know, just just trying just trying to get it out there. You said I want to get involved in as many projects as, as I can, really. You know. Well. We're gonna put your uh, stuff on our details, like all your social media, your stores, and everything. But everybody, check this guy out. Check Rich's stuff out because it's your uh, your Instagram's great and your Etsy page. You're definitely like I'm buying some of those Rich Flair shirts, dude. I love that. Stuff. I love the Chris. Uh, before we get into the festivities, give give me your top five '90s wrestlers. Well, Austin's been a moment. Give me a hell yeah! Um, I don't think you can have the Knights' Rock Undertaker. Bret Hart, again, but very easy choice. Um, I don't I don't think you can take a lot away from Ric Flair from, from, from how he kept himself relevant throughout the 90s, you know, and he kept himself at the top of WCW, didn't he, you know? And who my last one be? Probably The Rock, would you, would you say? Break through end, end of the 90s, or would you go Hogan? I can't do that. I mean, Hogan, can I? I, I gotta go Hogan. Um, and, and I'm just gonna say Hogan because Hulk started off the decade. Uh, you yeah. Know, he was still, you know, riding that shine from the 80s. But then once, once he went Hollywood, I felt like that was so relevant. It changed the whole shift of wrestling in general, man. Oh, it did. Like, like Hogan is the reason that everyone around the world knows what the WWF is or was or WWE, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's Hulk Hogan. Like you said, these days there's not many household names or or uh, recognizable faces out there. You know, you couldn't show somebody a picture of who's the top guy. You show a picture of Roman Reigns, a picture to a random person on the street. I don't think that did get it. You know. You, you, show, you show him Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you're, not into, you're not into Roman. I despise Roman. He is the Pete Davidson of wrestling. I, I, I hate the fact that he's cousins with Dwayne Johnson because none of that charisma, none of that mic working, it, it didn't rub off. I like that bloodline got cut off. Like, like that genetic, that gene right there, it just didn't get passed onto his side. I, did, I just can't. You put a mic in front of his face and he's just like, uh, uh, I don't know. 
Acknowledge me. Superman punch. <laughs> Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. The fifteenth. I've got, I've got something to show you, anyway. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't. No, I've seen your Roman, and like this isn't a like even I even though I despise the man, that is dead That's on. Dope. Like all, like I, I, I can't think of a wrestler I despise right more. But like that, I, I could still give props to that because I'm a Heyman guy too. At the end of the day. Yeah, well, he just he, looks the right part, to... though. You know, he looks the part. It just sucks he doesn't. He can't work the mic. And even like, is he as bad as Sid Vicious on the mic, Steve? Um, has he ever said, "Let's start over on live TV"? Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. And... Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> We're live. We're live, pal. bud. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be honest with you, right? I don't watch. Um, I don't watch wrestling as a serial thing, you know. I'm not a regular viewer of, of, of weekly shows. I'll, I'll listen to the podcast, which will tell me what's happened. I'll I'll film myself on social media. I, I watched the first night of WrestleMania, WrestleMania, and I watched the Royal Rumble. Like recently, I've been watching more, you know. But the bits I have seen of Roman, I've been impressed. I thought I thought he was doing all right, to be honest. Like the, just just the the in-ring stuff with Paul, as you say, Paul might be carrying him, but I, I, I've, yes. I've not, I've not felt any cringe. Like you know how some some guys make you cringe. I, I don't get that vibe from Roman. He makes me. He made me cringe as a face because they were <laughs> like really trying yeah, to well, force him on us. Yeah, and well, I, I couldn't. I weren't, I weren't watching at that time, but I've seen the footage of him being booed out the ring or whatever. It was a, a WrestleMania, was there with The Rock yep. or something? I weren't watching at that time, but I have seen, seen that footage, you know. And I, I, I get, I do get it. I, I get the frustration of being a wrestling fan. I think that's why I, I can't invest myself fully into it anymore. So I remember that that's you know the anticipation that you had between 1997 and 2001 uh, but for you guys it would have been a Monday night for me it was a Friday night of, of waiting for the latest episode of Raw you know to, to, to cut like the excitement you had like it was, it was well into it weren't we I, I, I don't think I don't think that anyone gets that from, from the current from the current show you know yeah I mean I think it's Roman for me like I, I would attend and participate more on Monday nights, but it's just like they cannot get the belt off of this man. They 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 can run a bulldozer over him. They can have Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, and Jake the Snake could come back, give 17 DDTs. Oh, he comes back. Superman punch. Roman's still the champ. Like, uh, why bother? <laughs> but that, that was it. I, I lost I lost my train of thought then. But that, that's what I was going to say. That, that the way that the WWE. I, I remember back then just knowing that. They're just pulling you. They're not going to give it to you. You know what I mean? And I see it now with Roman. They don't care what you think. They don't care what the fans want. They're just going to they give don't. you. But they want you to be pissed off, don't they? You know. Maybe that's they're what it is. It's like the Howard Stern thing, where it's like we're pissing these people off, and they're just going to tune in every week just to hate on this guy. You know, it's that effect. Vince, honestly. He just he don't give a shit about you. He he, he, he likes your money. 
<laughs> he's an evil genius. I actually like that thought now, Steve, and it makes me want to watch every week thinking that Vince McMahon's like, people hate this guy so much. I'm just going to keep parading him out here until somebody <laughs> like threatens us. We're going to do more. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. I bet I, we can do this another couple of years at least. <laughs> I mean, our guy, he's a guy, is, or it's either that or he's made so much money where he's just like, you know what, guys? You know, I don't want to go out and find another yoke, dude. We got this guy. Let's just rock. I've been expecting that Roman needs a holiday. Like you say, he's been doing it for a long time. He's been doing this since he got, since he come back from being sick, hasn't he? You know, so what's it been like three or four years constant, like on TV? So there's going to be a point coming up where he go, he, he has six months off. He, he just, he, he must need the rest. Yeah, I it's hope. Going Maybe that's it. Stevie's a cancer survivor. I'm a cancer survivor. I just take a couple of years off and chill out, you know? Like, he's just chilling. Give him that. Give him that little, like, let him have that leukemia bump, man. Let him have that. Matt, I I, I can't. mm, That's hard to speak on, man. I. Hey, you know what? I, I agree though. There's no charisma. Like to me though, what I see because I don't watch any new wrestling. I see bits and pieces. It doesn't. It, it makes me not really care too much. But I do like uh, Chris Jericho and AEW. I like what they're doing, and I do think Cody Rhodes looks cool. Like I think he's pretty fucking dope, right? So maybe well, he'll he's he's dope. back in he's back in WWE. He was uh, the in the main event against Roman. And like, I think the world was pulling for Cody. We w- was like, yeah, dude, do this for dad, man. Do this for your brother, man. Do this for the Rose oh. Dynasty, baby. Do it Come for on. Sapphire, then, baby. Do it for Sapphire. Do it for them, uh, baby. <laughs> with the polka dots and everything. And, and just like, I was so, I was heartbroken. I jumped out of my seat and I yelled at the TV. This is fucking bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Turn the TV off, I'm going to bed. It's because it's what you wanted, you know, that they knew you wanted it. Don't give a shit. And Vince McMahon was in his all in some weird like Scarface office, like yeah, <laughs> just maniac counting money and just drinking your tears, Steve. That's what he's doing right now. Genius, son of a bitch. Later on in all-new Tonight Show, it's television history in the making when Jerry Seinfeld joins Jay for one final farewell. Alright, what the hell? I'll do one more season. Come on! Let's... Plus, a huge mystery guest and we guarantee you won't be disappointed. And Brandy, Jay's pop quiz, and Danny Glover with Mel Gibson. Then Conan's got Rosie O'Donnell and Seinfeld's putty tonight. Well, today, my friends, we're talking about all things May 11th. In the 90s, son. Starting off in 1990, class of 1999 premieres. Three ex-military robots are reprogrammed as teachers and secretly placed in a school where most students are part of organized gangs. They begin to respond violently to unruly students and their military training starts to take over. Directed by Mark L. Lester, starring Bradley Gregg, Tracy Lynn, John P. Ryan, Pam Greer, Joshua Miller, Stacey Keach, and Malcolm McDowell. How did they get Pam Greer in this movie, Steve? This was actually her first movie after dealing with the illness herself, man. She had taken some time off from 
Hollywood. Uh, you know, her heyday was in the 70s, and uh, this was her first foray back. And she's sexy as usual, and she's one of the cyborg teachers. Um, it's a pretty creepy movie. Stacy Keach is in it, and he has an albino flat top, and this was his choice. Oh. Uh, on, on top of the gray contacts, um, and he, like he's the guy that kind of like put these robots together. Um, it, it's Pam Greer, uh, uh, John McCain uh, standing next to her, and uh, the other guy who's like the phys ed teacher. But um, my favorite was probably uh, the John McCain brother uh, robot. Uh, he's the history teacher, and he just comes in with so much fervor uh, in these with these unruly kids. He's like, all right, this is going to be the hardest history class you'll ever have. And he's just really amped up, and they're getting in his face. And because he's a cyborg, he takes him over his knee and just starts robotically spanking the fuck out of him. <laughs> and they're all they're all just standing there looking like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> How is his hand moving that? It's like six million dollar man. <laughs> wow. I mean, I love me some Pam Greer. She has been in some weird movies, and this sounds like another one of those. But shout out to Pam Greer for doing this. It's very weird, man. Uh, uh, how was it spanking? Was it doing the really fast one? Or was it doing like the, the robot like, gallop? It, it was like robotic. Like he started off slow, and then it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> His ass cheeks falling off. <laughs> these are the softest gangsters. They kept calling these kids gangsters. And it was more like, it's not like your Bloods and Crips, like hood kind of game. They were like Mad Max, like, you know, uh, wearing like ultimate warrior trench coats and shit. And it, like, th these were the gangsters. And, oh, and they wow. were talking about gang banging. Like. <laughs> they just look like they're going to a fashion show, honestly. They don't look like a gang. This looks like Culture Club. Where's Boy George? <laughs> What the I like I like Stacy Keach also as the evil sign. Like I don't want the guy creating my robots to have a hair lip. I'm sorry. Maybe that's <laughs> that guy looks insane, dude. That's he picked the right look. I don't know if this yeah. is the right movie, but and at some point, like Pam Greer, her hand like melts off and it turns into a flamethrower and she like shoots flames at the gangsters and, and like have them flying off their motorcycle. And uh, the John McCain old dude cyborg, his hand turns into like a drill surrounded by like a, a claw. Uh, crazy shit, bro. This movie sounds awesome actually, now that I'm seeing this dude. I, 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 miss, I miss the name, what was the title of the film? class of 1999 and uh i guess there was a class of 1984 that happened in the in the 80s but the, the situation was switched where the the students were the unruly ones like they were like the monsters and the teachers were trying to like stay alive um <laughs> straight well that this is one of those like cocaine ideas that actually got made but it sounds dope you got you have to see some Pam Greer cyborg titty too. Look at her flashing for us, man. <laughs> oh wow. Look at them. Look. How did you watch it? Have you got a DVD or is this on some sort of subscription thing? Uh well, some of these things I watch, Rich, I, I can't disclose uh while we're recording, but um <laughs> I can send you a link, bro. I could definitely drop you a link though. 
I could have used the help before trying to find that bloody wrestling show. <laughs> uh, but also in 1990, Far Out Man premieres. Uh, an aging hippie sets out on a trip across America to find his family. Directed by Tommy Chong, starring Tommy Chong, C. Thomas Howe, Ray Don Chong, Shelby Chong, Parrish Chong, Martin Mull, Judd Nelson, Michael Winslow, Cheech Marin, and Paul Bertel. Man, the Chong family getting heavy paycheck. Nepotism much? The, the, that is what they call an all-who cast. I mean, Tommy's, I, this one, I don't remember this one. They, there was a lot of weird Cheech and Chong movies, like that, uh, the one where they were like, foppish like they were they had like victorian clothing on do you remember that one the, the corsican brothers you remember that 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 the, the, was the, like when they were getting i don't know it's kind of like older cheech it wasn't like a pot movie they were just trying to do like weird comedy period pieces and stuff so i don't know this sounds like one of those almost i never heard of this one and as a pothead I would have thought I would know of all Cheech and Chong movies, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they ever made it to the UK. You never I, heard I, of I, Cheech and Chong? I've heard of it. I remember being a kid and seeing like a, a, a taping in the video store in Blockbuster. Yeah, but I, I never watched it. So, but it sounds like there's loads of films. I, I, I thought it was just one. No, these guys were like a pot. These were sort of pioneer pot comedians. Like they, that's sort of how yeah. they got their start in the '70s over here. They were like a duo that did. They did like uh, comedy albums, Steve, I believe, and they also did. Yeah. They got hot off that, and they did like a couple of movies, got okay. big, and then they started. Uh, they did weird shit after that. Are they still going? Are they still alive? Working? Well, they're they're both alive, but they kind of. Sp- split up uh cheech marin he's more into serious acting they're uh, back uh, they're t- back together though they, they're doing yeah. shit together again and uh chong went to jail actually for a while he he did some time for selling oh, pot pipe for doing <laughs> he was selling weed and paraphernalia it's a whole thing we got weird laws here rich uh but that's weird like i never even thought of that so uk cheech and chong just wasn't that's not a huge thing over there i guess i'm, I'm sure some people are going to be like oh this guy's a fucking idiot but no <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've never seen it i've i've, I've heard of it i, I know it was a cultural pop culture reference yeah like, yeah it's been on the simpsons or whatever but i didn't realize it was a series of films i thought it was like one film you know oh no they got they're yeah, prolific they... they got a bunch but Rich, I, I will say this, man. Don't don't watch this one. Watch the ones where he's where it's Cheech and Chong. Uh, like this one, this was like his first uh, film where he directed it and starred in without his buddy. But uh, yeah, Far Out Man. Yeah, stay out the Far Out Man. Well, make make sure you send me a list of if people are watching. Comment below of which films I should start with. That 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 would be quite fun because I'll have to get a link off Steve (laughs) still smoking do that one Riz still smoking and nice dreams you can these ones will do you right you'll be fine uh, up in smoke you gotta they'll probably be available on like a Netflix maybe they're they're pretty like old and widely available but Steve Steve's got you covered Rich he's got you wink wink over here wink wink yeah and and, like speak Speaking of cult followings, like uh, how big is Benny Hill? Because we talked about him recently, <laughs> and like he he is a hero to me. 
Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, to all of us. We couldn't see boobies on TV for a long time, Rich, in the U.S. So that was our only... You, that was it. I, I, actually, I'm, I'm going to hold back what I just thought. But, uh, but, 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 Benny, but Benny Hill. So if you ask anybody under 40 if Benny Hill was, you'd get a blank look. They'd ask you, does he play rugby? Does he play cricket? You know. But anyway... We we know him. We know him for the silly music and that. But honestly, it's not been on TV for at least forty years. <laughs> you know, it's that should be yeah, forever. But... They don't have it in syndication anymore. Should have a museum no, just no. to him in London someplace, think, just with boobies think, and people running. If I think I think it's round. Oh, I'm pretty sure somebody's tried to say Benny Hill. You know, it did something inappropriate to him. I'm sure that I'm sure there's wow. something going on. I forgot get... about that. <laughs> We're I, there I, now. I, 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 I listen to the Jim Cornette podcasts, and every now and then he'll he'll have like a, a Benny Hill reference. You know, it, it always pops He's... me. Like, uh, you know. So in, 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 in America, is he on TV quite a lot? Is he, is he still there? He used to be. Used to. He, you, but I didn't consider like with the where we are now as a society, like there's no way that would be reran in America, and like it makes sense that it's not reran anywhere. So, but so I'm glad it's not, on, it's not on TV now; it's just just the internet, just the yeah. internet, man. But like the memory, the memory <laughs> will always be there. Always. What, what, what what other British pop culture references have you got? Like 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 Benny Hill? Have you got? Have you got what else have you watched? Monty Python. Maybe he was the first. Monty, yeah, I, I was never really into that. I, I've seen them probably, probably 20 years ago, but I was, I was never really into it. They're a bit posh for me. I got into them for like a quick, in like sixth grade, I, I saw the Holy Grail one and I saw the uh, Meaning of Life. And those yeah. two were kind of, Meaning of Life's kind of like a sketch movie. Yeah. Which I like, they, you know. They are funny. Like, it, it, individually, like Eric Guy and Lily. Uh, what's his name? John Clay's Bar- Basil. Did you ever watch Faulty Towers? I've heard of that for sure. I've I think I have it, yeah. seen a couple of episodes of that. Well, the, 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 that's John Cleese's sitcom from I think it's from the early eighties, maybe late seventies. I'm not sure. It's before I was born, but it's a classic. You know what I mean? Like John Cleese, he was one of the Monty Python group. Yeah. And so, that, that that is it's, it's probably still. I don't know. Now I'm saying that maybe that's banned. I don't. <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's, he was he kind of got I mean he's famous all those dudes are famous I remember John Cleese was doing a lot of like I think he had like a one man show that sort of got popular yeah too. he's sort of a, he, he, he does he, he does pop up like on, on American chat shows you always see videos of like Jimmy Kimmel or someone yeah you know one, one, one of them type of guys I, I remember he's absolutely like, fabulous yeah oh yeah my, my wife likes that one <laughs> Whose line is it anyway? When it was British, I remember that, and I do. I was a huge fan of the Ricky Gervais show, the BBC radio show he did with Stephen Merchant. Oh yeah, uh, big fan. Yeah, I, I, I love I love all that stuff. Ryan Laurie, Hugh Laurie for House. Yeah, I was, a, I was a big house. It was when I was at university, somebody told me about house, and you know when you should be at uni, but you're just watching house. It's 
until like 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a lot of that. We were watching House, but we were definitely not studying and up at 4 a.m. So yeah, there's, <laughs> there's another one. I, I wish I remember the name of it, but I, I watched it in the 80s and it was about puppets. And I believe it's British based and like the puppets oh, yeah. would like be they would be that, caricatures that of like what's it called? That, that, so, so, sorry to interrupt you, Steve. I couldn't help myself. Then. That that program you, you described there is called Spitting Image. It's like you say, it's all puppets of like politicians and celebrities, you know, all from like the early nineties and that. That 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 was huge back in the day. It was. I was. I, I, I was I, big I, on it, man. And I, I didn't realize America as well. Yeah, like, cause they would do like they would have like a puppet of Whoopi Goldberg, and and it wasn't like Jim Henson, like kiddish. Like they would kind of look realistic, man. Um, like Phil Collins would have one. It was like, whoa, I, I can get into this. Uh, yeah, they should bring it back. They, they, they should. They've had like a few. I think it is back actually. They've okay. got like a Netflix, got a Netflix over here called Britbox. Which is all like British TV shit. <laughs> They've managed to get off Netflix and everyone else and put it in this one package. And I, I Spitting Image is one of the big things. I think they've redone it with actual puppets. Like over the years, they've tried to do it various ways. Like 20 odd years ago, they, I think they did something called 2D TV, which is like a, car, a cartoon version of it. It must be much cheaper than making the puppets. It was quite funny, you know. CGI, it's like just taking the fun out of everything, in my opinion, man. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something about the puppets, isn't there? You know, like, well, because I think it's just like I, I create things that you know you, you, you just appreciate the craft and, and the work, the, the, the craftsmanship. Done. Exactly, man. Like, the, like the, uh, the, the video that the, the videos that I make, they'll be like twenty seconds long, and some uh, some little part of it, like the, the, the Sid one that you've seen, for example, like you know, the background where it says Sid, like you took me about like an extra hour. Just, to, just, to do, just to make that glow in a specific way. Yeah, but, yeah. hell yeah. There's only me that, that, that would have enough. It's like I was, I showed my friend, my friend Ronnie. He, he, um, he, he was over from um, from Spain where he lives for the night. He come and stayed last night. <laughs> I bored him, you know. I put, I put my YouTube on and I just let him watch my, my 20 second clips. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> I, I was talking him through it like a director's commentary, <laughs> you know. He, he, God bless him. Like he seemed really interested. You know, he, he, he convinced me anyway. But sorry, well, that's well, a good friend. You know, I mean, I make Steve. I bore Steve with mine. I just created like an NWO themed video background for our show that we're actually going to use for this episode first. And uh, oh yeah, every time I get one done, I'm like, Steve, check this out, man. Check it out. This is cool. Look I at swear. it. Well, no. In 1996, May 11th, final episode of Captain and the Planeteer. Captain Planet and the Planeteers airs on TBS, uh, and the title is 101 Mutations. Uh, did y'all ever get Captain Planet and the Planeteers, Rich? About 15 years ago, um, I went to a costume party. There's this town in England called Wigan, and on, on Boxing Day, which you guys don't have, but it's the day after Christmas Day, it's called Boxing Day. In this town called Wigan, everyone goes out in what we call fancy dress costumes, but what you guys would call like a costume party. So you go, you go, I, that, that, that night I went dressed as mankind, you know. Like the, oh, nice. That was my Hell idea. yeah. Love that. 
but but my, my friend John went as Captain Planet, and he said, "I do have a photograph of this somewhere." And I did, I didn't know who he was that night, and he was really disappointed in me. But I didn't know who Captain Planet was, so he must have been here, but he didn't cross my path. Oh, he was huge for us. Yeah, it, it was educational. Um, I, I thought he was a cool superhero. You know, he had a green flat top, and you know, I think he was like a blue guy. And like four teenagers would put their rings together: Earth, Wind, Fire, Heart. Uh, was there a fifth one? Earth, Wind, Fire, Heart. No, I think you water. got the water. Yeah, water. Sorry. Yeah, there were five, and they would put their rings together, and Captain Planet would just pop up. And he kept things pretty simple for the end, for the villains. It was like, hey man, just don't litter. I won't beat your ass. Like, I can totally, like, I can, Stop I can take your arms this off. sludge yeah. on the ocean and I won't fucking put my foot in your ass, okay? And he basically just looked like glass. Like if you made, if you looked at Sting when he looked, was like surfer Sting with the blonde flat top, he looked like that if he was made of glass and had green hair. And that's probably, but you know, you saw him. You saw your buddy. I bet your buddy probably looked pretty on point for it. So it was a it, weird one. It, it looked pretty. It looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. Like you say, it was pretty obscure at the time. What what year was was Captain Planet popular? It started in 1990 or 91, and it ended in 96. Uh, I, I was like Turtles and um, and Power Rangers, WWF. I'm kind of was the same though because this one I was like, eh, he's like, t this is they're trying to give me a message. I just wanted like Ninja Turtles whooping some ass. I don't need to be told not to litter, you know? Yeah, I just left I school. It. I ain't trying, okay. I'm trying to have another. It, I, it's no wonder I've never heard of it. It sounds shit. It'll be knee deep in the shit. Like at this point, they were running out of ideas because it's called 101 Mutations. It's a playoff of 101 Dalmatians. Uh, this is one of the still shots. Uh, I oh. find it hilarious. It's supposed to be sad, but it's fucking hilarious. And uh, they they have they have their version of Cruella Deville, and she her plan is to get all of these puppies and just have them get fucked up and mutated. It's just like. Uh, like y'all running yeah. out of ideas, man. I mean, he. This yeah. is the last episode, but Steve. I mean, he didn't win. Captain Planet. He fucked up. I mean, the Earth's just screwed up now. So what's going on? Do you take a couple of decades off, or what's going on here? Well, 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 they they beat the Cruella Deville lady, and they they end up eventually save the puppies. But as you can see, some of them were sacrificed. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Captain Planet's yeah. walking around in a mutated dog fur someplace. He's like, we got to do some with these things. Not let that fur go to waste. It's it's supposed to be sad, man. But when I saw this, I spit up my water. And, uh, in 1996, that same day, uh, a matter of respect is airing on ECW. It's it's one of their special supercard events. Um, and uh, did you ever get ECW over there? Uh, no, but I, I was aware of it. So by about 99, I was about 15. I was like I was going on 15. So and the internet was starting to get up. So we was able to read about ECW. You know, I, I remember the excitement of the first pay-per-view and things like that. We were able to see images of ECW. Um, you know, it's hard to say clips because we didn't have clips back then, did we? On the internet, like it was all, it was all images and writing, wasn't it? And you could you get tapes. I, I did have a few ECW tapes at some point. So, re re really, it was mythical, if anything, because yeah. 
you know, it, it weren't really there. It, it was just something you'd read. It's something you really wanted, and, and you really backed it. Now you used to be on the forums, and, and again you talk to people about it. Like, but back in the day, I'd make custom wrestling figures, you know, and post them on the internet, and you'd make these CW guys, even though you'd never seen them wrestle. You know what I mean? But you'd know him through the stories and the images and the matches that you've read about, you know, and the tapes that you got. So you was you was into it so much even though you didn't have the full context, you know. So to, to answer your question, uh, you, you had ECW if you looked for it or if you knew about it, you know. But uh, in, in 1997, The Simpsons is airing the episode The Simpsons Spinoff Showcase. Troy McClure presents three spinoffs, Chief Wiggins P.I., The Love Matic Grandpa, and The Simpsons Family Smiles Time Variety Hour. It's a great oh. episode. I love... I love anything that starts with Troy McClure, Steve. Oh. Love it. You may have seen me from Son of Sanford and Son and After Mannix. <laughs> uh, you know, and Fox had to fill some time. They have slots to fill, Steve. So instead of coming up with an original idea, a couple of spinoffs that we got from The Simpsons. And I got to be honest with you, a couple of these, I'd tune in. And uh, our, our first vignette is Chief Wiggum P.I. And it's just Magnum P.I. with Chief Wiggum, Steve. So, and Rich, these, this is this is honestly, this could work. I could watch the show. Yeah, got kicked <laughs> off the farce. Yeah, he's going to New Orleans. He's going to Nolan, Steve. Wiggum's, he, he got fired from uh, Springfield PD for what he's calling massive corruption, which I get. Um, he goes down to New Orleans with Principal Skinner, who I guess is a New Orleans native, and we just never knew that. A skinny boy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's going to set up shop as a PI. And uh, immediately when he gets down there, he runs afoul of a guy named Big Daddy, who is just a like a Cajun carry. He almost looks like Dom DeLuise as a Cajun guy. Like, I'm going I'm to cook you in a gator soup. He's one of them guys. You guys, do you know what a Cajun is, Rich? Yes, I believe I do. Is it like Cajun porn stars or something? <laughs> what the fuck was that? I don't know about like... Cajun porn stars. That'd be a gross <laughs> no, porno. No, you, you know that CDB show, Porn Stars, like, it's like a porn broker. <laughs> I don't, but, I don't mm -hmm. know. Where you buy and sell gold? Oh, okay, yeah. No, no, no. I don't know about, yeah. not a pawn bro, a pawn broker. Okay. It's language same, barrier same, same pronunciation from St. Helens um, but anyway there was a TV show like I think it's called Occasion Pump oh, I, I don't even know you say it differently Porn. Porn. I, I, I just heard porn and I was like Cajun porn star that's gonna get greasy and nasty real quick so there's a well, market for it I'm gonna put my dick in you that's basically what it's going to sound like. It's going to be weird. Some, some alligator like that, you know. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah. It exists. I can't believe you didn't know. It's American, obviously. Well, I didn't hear that. But in this, uh, this Cajun uh, gangster named Big Daddy, I love this, Steve. He... He said he puts a gator in uh, Chief Wiggum's houseboat as like a, a warning, but it's a warning. I'm like, how does a warning? And they answer it immediately. There's like corks on its teeth. That's how he sends his messages. And I love that. Yeah. And Skinner comes in and bare knuckles the fuck out of it. 
this Wiggum PI guy, uh, he got his son got kidnapped, Ralph, man, by Big Daddy. And, you know, there's Mardi Gras going on outside of his office. And he's got Skinny Boy, Principal Skinner, as his uh, sidekick. So he's trying to track down his boy because he has to leave town immediately. Yeah, and he he try he he hears he gets a call, uh, sort of like a ransom call from Big Daddy. He hears Mardi Gras happening, and Big Daddy's not much of a criminal, Steve, because he's literally right outside of Wiggum's house or office. I don't know. He's right there. Even Wiggum's big ass can just run out and find this guy. And I do love a nice. We get a fat foot chase in this episode, and I love that. The mechanics of two fat people running away from each other. It's just great. Yeah, and they they have to hop on a speedboat to track them down, and they eventually catch up with Big Daddy. And what was hilarious was uh, once he's caught, he just throws Ralph at him. He's like, they're saying on the bayou. Uh, <laughs> he just jumps out of the window. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, and he just gets away, and because, Steve, this is just the first episode of many of Wiggum P.I., so basically the idea is, like, Big Daddy's just out, and he's, he's gonna come back, and he, there's gonna be more adventures with uh, this character. We will never see that show, but again, this episode, or this little vignette, I would watch a series based on this. I'd watch this. Daddy, I wanna grow up. I wanna be just like you. <laughs> Better start eating, kid. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we get to uh, the next uh, vignette, and this is like more of like a Black Mirror type thing that I, I feel like is kind of creepy. It's called the Lovematic Grandpa, um, Mo Sizzlack centric, which I do love. And Mo's, you know, we've never really seen him lucky in love. He's not a very uh, charming person at all. Um, and this sort of this episode helps him find love, and also puts grand the soul of a dead grandpa simpson in the uh in a machine like a love machine which is very bizarre and very scary i feel like i don't like that and the jukebox at, at his bar just starts talking to him and telling him about his love life like matt said and he's like i don't need your help i wrote the book on love and he's like all quiet on the western front <laughs> and then right when that happens a lady walks in i don't know like which never happens in mo's life at all and she's attractive and uh you know he's basically does what mo does immediately which is creep her out and, and he's like yeah you want to go in the back and grandpa's trying to help him out and basically this love machine just gives him like rando advice that actually is good love advice but mo sort of as this keeps going he gets a date with this hottie takes her out but then he has to like lug a machine to this restaurant like hide it in a bathroom so he can, <laughs> he can consult it for romantic advice and hilarity ensues and uh he gives him some more advice like all right before you step out you know what to say right uh yeah uh sunshine pretty ain't flowers stupid gotcha <laughs> Uh, I don't remember how this one ends though, Steve, because he go he goes on the date. Uh, he he uses the grandpa like grandpa in this machine, and then I feel like he just like fesses up and tells the girl that there's this happens, and then it just kind of ends. It just fizzles <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, grandpa. It's a weird <laughs> one. 
Introduce me to that cute little payphone out front. <laughs> uh, doesn't the machine get it like, oh, that's what it was. Like, as it's in the bathroom, those, like, the bad kids beat the shit out of the machine and, like, almost kill Grandpa, too. I love that. He called me gay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then the last part of this vignette is just a sort of laughing style uh, take on this. Yeah, like yeah. one of those like variety show hours from the 70s. And this is called the Simpson Family Smile Time Variety Hour. And it even has a nod at the Lisa replacement because when the Brady Bunch did their variety hour, uh, Jan Brady, uh, the person who played her, Eve Plum, she sat out on this, uh, I guess, because she just didn't see value in it um and she's eve plum but uh tim conway uh he's a bowling green state alumni uh go high man uh he he pops up and makes an appearance and like you said they do a variety hour where they're doing various skits and one of them the family is a beaver they're beavers and tim conway he's a skunk uh bart he comes in and he's like can someone close the damn door <laughs> what that's where we live yeah, and another one. Also, Tim Conway was he the guy? Was he Dorf the golf? He was Dorf, and he okay. was in the Carol Burnett show. Okay, yeah, I think that my dad liked Tim Conway. Big name from the, and I did like these laughing shows. They all had this very st distinct style of these like weird seventies U.S. variety shows where they like cut away to that Just like random a random like shit. <laughs> yeah, another one of my favorite characters. Yeah, well, what's that guy's name again? I don't know, but he's always hilarious. Old man. <laughs> he's just old man. Rich, did you did you know, like, was there, like, laughing stuff? Like, we had these 70s variety shows. Did you guys have that in the UK? I mean, this is before all of our times, obviously, but... Um, well, we said before my time, but I, I know about them. They did have variety shows. Um... But probably not the American stuff. The, the 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 main reason we've seen the American stuff probably is from like the footage of the Beatles, you know, yeah. when they did like Ed Sullivan and things like that. Like that that's our knowledge of that, that level of pop culture, you know. And we never got raw. Like for example, James Corden. I know. Yeah. He's just he's just finished on it. Like we've had we've had all that shit. Like that, yeah. that's been available. That's been available if you've wanted to watch that. But, apart, but before that, you'd never get it. I think Craig Ferguson used to be on like really late night, like somewhere you could find him on Sky. But apart from that, you, you never, we, we never got any of your variety. We never got XNL. I think you can get that now. Well, I mean, like these shows, like we wouldn't, like these weren't around when we were around, but like for some reason in the 90s, especially, they would bring them back for like a one-off We'd be like this tonight. We're doing a Carol Burnett laughing. They basically recreate in the '90s, and it just didn't work. But and you, you, well, you know what the funny thing is, though. So that was like nostalgia for like 30 years before. Yeah. So like, but that's what we're in for right now. That nostalgia that that audience was looking for. You know? <laughs> like, there's some kids watching this now thinking, "What a load of bloody turd!" You know, what are these old, what are these old men talking about? Yeah, the yeah. best decade ever. That's all. <laughs> Just only the best decade ever. It's true. But once upon a time, somebody with lollipops was thinking, "This is this is nostalgia." <laughs> yeah. And 
and this episode wraps up with Troy McClure uh, basically giving some kind of uh, uh, prediction for season nine because this is the season finale of season eight. And how do you keep it fresh after eight seasons? Magic powers, marriage after marriage <laughs> after marriage, hidden triplets, and a little friend named Bazamadar that only Homer can see. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Little uh, shot at, uh, at uh, what it Flintstones. We're back. Uh, unfortunately, everyone's going to notice we're down a guy. Uh, unfortunately, I guess uh, main event Rich had a 56K modem. I uh, was dealing with some internet issues, but we did lose him for this last segment. So main event Rich, Rich, dude, we're sorry uh, we don't have you. We miss you. We'll have you on again soon. Uh, but I do want to give out his details just so everybody has them one last time before we continue. So uh, as far as main event Rich goes, uh, Twitter insta TikTok. you can search at main underscore event underscore rich he has a website that's under construction but if you do type in maineventrich.com it will eventually redirect you to his current site it's got all of his art you can buy stuff he's got so much cool stuff you got to check it out and he also has an etsy page which is etsy.com slash shop slash no context flare Flairish uh, spelled just like Ric Flair's last name because that's what it's about. So check everything he has out. Please buy this guy's stuff so we can get him a better modem and a better mic. <laughs> Had <Yeah>. some issues. <laughs> For real, bro. Hey, you got to come back, man. We loved you, man. But that Fisher Price mic, just it's not cutting it. Uh, but also in 1997, uh, WWF is airing In Your House 15, A Cold Day in Hell from the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, commentating duties are done by the legendary Jim Ross and Jerry Lala. <laughs> I mean, the duo. I feel like this is this is tip top. This is it. This is what you want, Steve. This is the Mount Rushmore. It's these two guys. I think you yeah. agree. Bar none, man. And uh, our first match is Flash Funk, uh, who I would prefer being Two Code Scorpio, uh, because he's got these Mork and Mindy Nanu Nanu boots on, versus Hunter Hearst Humsley yeah. with China. Flash Funk's in his Parliament Funkadelic phase. Uh, he's got some boots that he stole off of their truck. Um, but, you know, Flash Funk, um, I didn't really. He didn't really clock to me before we started this show, Steve. But Two Cold Scorpio, Flash Funk, I am a fan because this guy's huge and he can fly. He can do a lot of cool shit. And he just, I feel like, for whatever reason, they just, I don't know if he was a dick or they just couldn't figure out his gimmick, but it just never landed. But he, he could have been a superstar. He was black. Yeah, there, I mean, you know, there we go. I mean, I think it's pretty much out there, but he's got... He's got something, but unfortunately, you know, it's not enough. And he's going up against the Triple H that's got, uh, you know, a lot of arrogance, a lot of richness, a lot of that, like, where's it called? The Hamptons. It seems like he probably owns a house there. And he also has, he's got a brick shit house of a chick with him in China, who's really basically fighting all of his battles at this point, it seems like. He's got a lot of testosterone in his corner. And, uh, you know, Flash Funk, man, you know, d despite the stupid name and the, the stupid wardrobe, he's still doing his two cold Scorpio business, man. Uh, he he's doing some, like, uh, unseen before, like, high 
maneuver aerial assaults, man. Um, Black Rob Van Dam type shit. Yeah. For, I mean, that's a great analogy. It's like, p- picture a dude that's like built like Charles Barkley and his prime. I mean, like, a, a, he's not like a fit dude. He's, he's not, not like, yeah. He's not yoked like that. He's he's big. He's a strong dude, but he's not like, you're not like, oh, damn, that's Ahmed Johnson level, like some, you know, insane mutant. So he doesn't have that going for him. But what he does have is, I mean, he will get on the top rope and do some crazy shit. And he. He does like I don't know I don't know how to describe it but he'll he'll do like the kind of flippy jujitsu stuff you see like a lucha libre guy do out of like an arm bar but he'll do it as like a 270 pound dude so it's pretty awesome with ease and wearing and, and it's, George Clinton's old uh, wardrobe at least his boots yeah atomic dog fucking atomic dropping and at one point jerry lawler calls him uh go-go boy which i kind of found him i mean he the wardrobe suspect but he does his thing but really all this is is to get uh you know just to get china in the mix to get attention to her there's a lot of attention always paid to china when she's just sitting on the outskirts grilling anyone that hunter Helmsley's wrestling and uh you know she does the same thing here we get a lot of funny jokes about her one of which uh i think uh the king says something boxers or briefs and even jr can't help himself he's like you better ask eddie murphy about that one bud you know he he shits on two celebrities i mean these guys can't help themselves dude no chill man uh and you know eventually hunter hearst helmsley gets the pin because he's the future son-in-law so of course and uh you know his boy is uh sean michaels what can you do and that wasn't enough his bodyguard slash manager china hoists this grown-ass man flash funk over her shoulder like a newborn and walks him over to the other side of the ring hoists him on the top ropes and he bounces out like the man already lost. I mean, you gotta fucking maybe jeopardize his ability to have kids. Shame on you guys. And not only that, you're getting hoisted around by a woman, even though it's China. I mean, it, from the fans' perspective, it, it's just a weak look, man. You were better off looking in the classifieds after this pay-per-view. But I feel like you gotta get a pass. Like, if somebody calls you and they're like, dude, some chick fucking picked you up and threw you down, I'd be like, yeah. Let's go ahead and take a look. She can fucking bench press 350 for reps. So I'm sorry. I mean, you got to get a pass on that, but it's not a cool look. But, you know, that's kind of Triple H's thing right now. He's kind of a cunt. And he uses his gigantic roided out chick as his bodyguard. And that's pretty cool, honestly. And his Gonzo Shanaz. Uh, still love you, though, Paul Levesque. Uh, in the next match, Mankind versus Rocky Maivia and rocky is being interviewed by todd pettengill and you can tell he's got the jitters he's not quite the rock yet yeah he's this it's off but he's he's getting it the mix is getting the marination the agitation if you will because it's you can see at least his character he's getting pissed off at all the bullshit people don't like him he's trying his best to be a baby face and people just aren't eating it because it's being shoved down their throat but It'll get there. If we're, we're we're so close to him turning, I feel like how how close are we, Stephen? Years? Is it months? Uh, uh, we're about half a year. I want to say this is '97. So by I, I want to say by the end of the year, maybe uh, he he's in the nation of domination. 
I mean, you but, can kind of see it yeah. coming off him a little. Even when he's walking out, you can kind of see it. He's like, he's like fucking gritting his teeth a little bit and stuff. And I, I like to see this. It's cool to see the Rock, not the mega superstar that never fucks up. I'm, I'm sick of the the Rock we have now. I like this. I like to see him on the come up. Still, it's cool. The the come up story is always good, especially when you know like the end result. Yeah, and the end result. What an end result. But here. You know, he's coming out. He's got to fight Mankind, a man nobody wants to fight because he's in the corner shaking around like he's fucking got, you know, he's losing his shit because he has lost his shit. A lot of CTE. Um, And, you know, I like this is a relationship. I was kind of thinking back on this. These guys were just going back and forth and sort of you going off of each other for a long time. Like they became sort of intertwined for quite a while, if if I remember right. Yeah, I mean, you can't talk about one story with that without you know talking about the other and uh luckily i mean what a good opponent to have at the start of your career you know mick foley he's a seasoned vet he's a true professional and he puts on a hell of a good match man uh at some point mankind even throws himself off the apron into rocky like a, a fucking somersault cannonball <laughs> that's a lot of weight to throw around man it's, I mean, he does not give any shits about his own body. He takes a, I mean, I think we talked about this previously, but like he gets a rock bottom. We see a rock bottom, but I don't think a rock bottom ha- is a rock bottom at this point, but we see it. And he takes I, I that just, shit on the fucking entrance, like the steel grate. I mean, there's no forgiveness there. There's no mat. There's nothing. And at some point, he does a flying crossbody, The Rock, and Mick Foley, Mankind, he rolls that over into a mandible claw. And his thing was always, whenever he put the mandible claw into a person, and they, they'll never raise their hand because they're just unconscious. And that's what happens to Rocky Maivia. He helps you be bulimic. And this is the start of Rock's bulimia, Steve. And I think if we track it, he actually started losing weight at this time. And... Maybe this is why, because mankind showed him how to have an eating disorder. <laughs> now you can also Dude, know what the rock can is. Can I just say though, like not I do not even as a wrestler, I know it's fake or whatever we want to say, but like I don't want a guy putting I don't want him specifically putting his fingers in my mouth. I don't know if he is. I'm assuming he is, but please, dude, I do not I can't. I don't want that. Especially if you been spending time in ECW. Any of those motherfuckers, like, I don't want any wrestler putting their hand in my mouth, but like, man, out of any of them, those motherfuckers? Nah. Yeah, you and Terry Funk are bleeding all over each other. Get that shit. That's like a nuclear bomb on your hand. I don't know. Like, it's not an STD, but there's some kind of like Wuhan shit going on on that that we couldn't, you can't survive that, Steve. Only a guy like Mankind who's unkillable can, so that's his secret power, honestly. And Blue Meanie, he looks like he's into some devious shit himself. But uh, Nation of Domination, that's the next match uh, with PG-13 versus Omer Johnson. Yeah, I mean, and I gotta say, I'm starting to become, I'm starting to uh, become a believer in PG-13, Steve. I don't like white rap. I didn't like PG-13 for quite some time. But to be honest with you, I just feel like it's just fun. Like I feel like Farouk's having fun. You know, it is what it is. I like it. They come out. This is a dumbass match for a lot of reasons. Uh, the Nation of Domination are either faking injuries or all lame, pulling up lame in some way, except Crush, who I still don't really get why he's even in this. But he's there. You know, they got to pull him in. 
and, strength uh, in numbers, man. And they're going to uh, they they each singularly crush Savio Vega, and eventually Farouk will fight Ahmed Johnson. He has to beat each of them one at a time until he gets to Farouk. And really what this match is beyond anything else, Steve, is the countdown to when Ahmed Johnson's ass cheek is going to fall out because it's I mean, a matter of time. It's, you know, salt, pepper, wrestling, Ahmed Johnson, Ahmed Johnson wrestling his ass cheeks out. You can't help it. And I just feel like somebody needed to tell him. Show me those cheeks. How many years into this man's career are we? And he's got the same thing and nobody's taking him aside and been like, yo, dude, like your butt is sticking out. You trying to make this happen? Yeah, he never pulled himself to the side. He's a grown ass man. I'm sure there were several options. WWF is a profitable company. Like, I'm sure he had another completely different wardrobe he could have picked. That I mean, it's favorite. 3% more fabric. That's all we got to do. That's the change. And I, maybe he wasn't watching his own tape, Steve. Maybe that's why he's wrestling so fucking stiff. Yeah, I mean, we get it, bro. You're yoked. So is British Bulldog. He wears long tights. And Gorilla Monsoon, we failed to mention this, at the beginning of the match, Gorilla Monsoon made sure all Nation of Domination were away from ringside while Ahmed is wrestling the, the current person or whatever. Yeah. So that nobody can interfere. Yeah, so Farouk and his everybody other than the people wrestling are watching from the top of the ramp. And Farouk's like this kind of like yoke Shang Tsung type Mortal Kombat dude where he's just sitting there like yeah judging it until he has to come down and whoop some ass which i do kind of like like that's pretty awesome if you're the big bad boss dude that's pretty dope like some final boss shit and you know crush is his first opponent and crush tries to give him that weak ass heart punch was a old 60s finishing move it's the 90s y'all couldn't think anything else uh but am i i'm ed johnson reverses that and gives him like a reverse mule kick it's the most athletic move i've ever seen ahmed johnson do and he gets the pin, crushes out, in comes Savio Vega, who's hobbling to the ring, faking this. I don't know if it's fake. Yeah. We don't it know. It seems like it, because they, they point it out, and then they're like, well, he ain't, he ain't limping no more. And he's whooping a lot of ass, Steve. I mean, honestly, Savio Vega is putting it to him. And to be honest with you, I don't remember Savio Vega being tough. I don't really remember clocking him as one of my favorite Nation of Domination people. But... He's whooping that ass, Steve, and I I appreciate that. Only for so long, because once Ahmed Johnson goes on the offensive, Savio just says, fuck this shit. I'm gonna take a chair and just beat the fuck out of you and get you prepared for Farouk and disqualify myself. Yeah. Wow. I gotta go get, I got I got I got a reservation in about 30 minutes. I need this shit to go. So he does, he DQs himself, but he does. He saw, he tenderizes the meat for Farouk to come in, Steve. Cause awesome. he's, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> that didn't come out right. But um, <laughs> Farouk comes down, you know, he's bodied up, but he does. I mean, I think he has like an arm sling on because yeah, you know, he's got a couple. He's got a little tinnitus or some tennis elbow or something. But again, injury goes out the way because he steps in and starts whooping that ass. And he's even like sitting there like, hey, working the kinks out. But, you know, Farouk probably the meanest face of anybody i i mean it's, it's like the face of a teacher who you're about to get a detention from constantly oh man with the receding fro like that's throwback black man strength like 
that's the only only strength you see like that is George Foreman when he had the fro, and that's that's like strength that I could like I could knock out an oak tree. Um, but we know that Farouk's injury is fake because at the end of the match he gives him his finisher, which is like a, a reverse face buster, uh, plow driver wannabe power bomb, and he did that to this motherfucker. Like, yeah, motherfucker to play for the Cowboys. I mean, the dude, it's just crazy that, I mean, it's one of those things where don't judge a book by his cover, because looking at Ahmed Johnson, you'd be like, oh, he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, clearly, right? No, not the case. Not the case at all. So many things. Great, I mean, bring Al Pacino in, you're going to get great ass! Because this thing's out constantly, but other than that, other than being maybe one of the greatest male strippers of all time, potentially... Because he's definitely ready for that job. You know, might be a little stiff, but still. Not a great match. But as always, Farouk, I love me some Farouk. I love me some Nation of Domination. And uh, they're bodying up. Hopefully they get rid of Crush soon. Hopefully this is the last time we talk about Crush being in the Nation. You know, I'm sick of it. Yeah, pretty soon, Crush and Savio Vega will see the exit, and they'll start their own stables, the DOA, uh, Disciples of Apocalypse, and the Los Broequas. And then I think there's another in your house where it's called Gang Warfare, or maybe that's the Survivor Series, Gang Warfare. Damn. Steve, the encyclopedia of wrestling. But the next match is Vader versus the most dangerous man in the world, Ken Shamrock. I mean, here's another one. Look at Shamrock. But I gotta say, dude, honestly, I was about to take like take the piss out of Ken Shamrock a little bit, but he was never my favorite wrestler. But the dude's a legit badass, like legend. He can whoop some ass, um, and he doesn't do a bad job in this. You know, like they're just kind of the the gimmick is he's coming from the UFC. He's a real fighter that's coming in, and the wrestlers aren't happy, Steve, because they don't. This guy ain't tough. Oh, you can get in a fight like I'm a, like it's that vibe like Vader's like I'm gonna teach you what it's like to be in fuck this UFC bullshit because the UFC at this point is like it's like watching prison fights on tape like it's basically the equivalent of that UFC they're still in their infant stages and when it comes to somebody uh, doing a legitimate fighting association going into the wrestling world that's always the energy even when mr t yeah when he you know joined wwf piper just had this thing like dude you don't you're a fake you don't you're you don't know nothing about this business and like they basically held that grudge all the way until piper's death the same thing with tyson and stone cold yo you might think you're the baddest man in the land but this right here is my arena pal hell yeah dude and i love that's awesome energy though and it's made for good ass fucking wrestling matches and makes for good for this because it's immediate heat you know, they there's nothing the else business. needed. Vader's like, look, dude, I'm Vader. Like, you ain't, fuck this UFC bull. This, I ain't some jujitsu master. I'm about to fucking punch you in the fucking face. So I love it. But I wouldn't want to be uh, coming in first match in the WWF and I got to fight Vader. That's not fun. That's not cool. Come on, Vince. And you're talking about two stiffs. Uh, even though Vader was seasoned, he went overseas, he did have a reputation from giving like actual legit hits from time to time. Yeah. And I mean, it, I mean, it looks like that's probably the case here. And I be, Vader, he can take a gut shot. He's got plenty of gut to punch. So he's taking some hits. And Shamrock, I'll t- you know, the guy's fucking bodied up. I don't know what kind of steroids this guy was able to take at this point, but he lives Vader like 
it's a 25 pound kettlebell like it's just nothing to this guy which is pretty fucking cool it's impressive you know he's been studying some Taz matches, man, because I lost track of how many belly to back and back to belly suplexes. And, and you know, I, I get it. This is his first pay-per-view match, but damn, man, and you got to add some diversity to that move list because you can't keep kicking legs and expect the fans to get behind you. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's his thing. That's his stuff. They're like, he's a UFC fighter. He's using UFC moves. And I get that, but you're right. Like, I think eventually he probably, he gets a few more things under his belt, but I never was, maybe it was that same attitude we were talking about. It was like, man, this guy ain't a real wrestler. I don't want to watch this at the time, but it's cool to see. It's cool to see a guy try to do that shit, especially somebody as prolific as him. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned this, but this match is what's called a no holds barred match. So right. you can't, you can only knock somebody out or submit them. You can't get a pin. So that's a thing. Vader gets a bloody and, nose, which I'm sure pisses him off a little bit. You know, I think it, it gave a couple extra stiff hits. But, uh, you know, this is a match to get us to Stone Cold, Steve. You know, we want we, that's what we want. And that's probably why they pit Vader against Shamrock, because he was so green. And, you know, chances are he's probably going to give a stiff hit. He's so used to being in the octagon. And Vader could take it. I mean, he's had whole matches where his eye was popping out the socket. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big boy, literally. This guy's dead inside. Just throw him. It's fine. Like, some guy's, like, hitting Vader in the face. It's like, this guy can taste fine, dude. It's cool. Like a slab of meat. Yeah, man. Like Rocky hitting him fucking slap and uh something i wanted to clock was jerry lawler during this match he said that his dad or whoever said ken shamrock should have been born in gladiator times and i agree because it would mean he'd be dead by now <laughs> fucking savage bro that's why this dude was people feeding him lines or was he just pulling this shit off the top dude, of his dome steve no no bro this is what i love man all the lines that we hear from the people that we love man it's off the top off the I top love man that. it's good that gives you that must like if you don't you should respect the people so much more if you watch these because i'm laughing more than i do at stand-up comedy sometimes with the shit that they say because and it's like throwaway shit you know they'll be doing their job and then jerry the king law will say that like that shit about china or whatever and they'll go it's like how are you guys just planning this shit this, and they aren't that's crazy and Jerry Lawler and JR, they're they're both wordsmiths, man. Um, it, you know, sense of humor, they, even going back to the Andy Kaufman days. But Shamrock does get the win. He, he throws Vader in a kank lock, if you will. And <laughs> yeah, that's good, Steve. I like that. Points for that. Uh, but, yeah, here we are, man. Stone Cold versus Undertaker, and I don't give a damn about the dead man. Yeah, you know, you know the energy Stone Cold's coming. And one thing that we have to preface here, they keep mentioning it through the whole paper pay-per-view that there's these five chairs, Steve, that Bret Hart got some scalp tickets and he's he's got them on reserve so he can just come out and fuck around with, uh, you know, his guests. So the whole time they've been empty, but as the match starts, Bret and his squad come out. Bret, he's, he's in a wheelchair. Um, but he's got a gang of hearts. He's got Davy Boy Smith. He's got Owen Hart. 
Um, he's got Jimmy he's got and Meinhardt, which, I mean, the devil himself. And he's got a Brian Pillman who's got, he's coked up to the point. He's with Jim the Anvil Neidhart, so it's not surprising, but coked up and waving a, waving a crutch around like it can't hurt anybody. And he's, it's scary, Steve. Yeah, crutch or a wheelchair. I, I don't care, man. You can even pull up to my house. I'll shoot your ass. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got a gun, Steve. Crazy motherfucker, man. Uh, but stone cold and undertaker they see this and they get them involved and when stone cold gets thrown out of the ring he goes straight to owen get your ass out of here brings him over the rail it's like starts beating up on him and then taker he comes over and he starts beating up on owen so everybody's with the shits yeah i mean owen I, I but i do like that owen got in it right away and they're here to cause a little chaos steve this is a different kind of heart foundation which i wanted to i want to point out it's like this isn't the uh you know brett's gonna give a little kid his glasses they're here to like fuck around and like intimidate people which i do really it's kind of cool actually i like this we just came to see the match eh and uh... we're just sitting here eh like what's going on eh hey steve but i do have to point out uh as this match goes that was hilarious uh, but steve austin and this might actually have been an accident but I, he field goal kicks Undertaker's nuts, dude. And I mean, I clocked it to the point where I still remember it. I threw my notes out, but like the um, like if Undertaker can have, still have kids, it's a miracle of science cuz Stone Cold Steve Austin, shame on you as a man. I don't know what 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 he did. What did he do to you before the match? Jesus. I don't give a damn about his nuts. I don't give a damn about Paul Bear. I don't give a damn. I just came to take over the WWF. Eh, 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 eh. And he actually hits the stunner on Taker. And before he even gets a chance to pin, Brian Pillman takes the bell and just gives the ding. Everybody's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it just stops. I love I love the power of the wrestling bell, Steve. It could stop time, basically, because you're right. We're at full throttle. Ding, ding. And everyone's like, yo, what the fuck, dude? Because he gets caught. He's like sitting there with the bell and the hammer. And he's like, what? Wait, what? I'm just having... What do I do? <laughs> what I say? <laughs> I'm just here to see, you know, some wrestling matches. I didn't I know it would be that effective. That. It's hilarious. It's effective as comedy, and it's effective because it completely fucks up the match. Like they don't, it doesn't end. Stone Cold doesn't win, and it gives Undertaker the opportunity to come back. So. And they do a, like a double reversal tombstone which was pretty cool and taker gets the win but that wasn't enough because the heart foundation storms the ring and it becomes an all-out melee i mean it's like it's like a shark attack like a feeding frenzy like as soon as the match is over everybody but brett like just fucking engulfs undertaker and starts whooping his ass which leaves brett by himself and leaves a very opportunistic stone cold outside the ring to look at Brett like a little kid who's like about to hit the button somebody told him not to press. He's like, oh wait, you're here? Da -da 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 -da. And I think he flips the chair over, Steve, which is just great, you know, fuck it. That's cute. You got your little wheelchair over there? Doesn't match your pink and black boots? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You're faking uh, the injury, Brett. Fucking make those little fucking pussy ass legs work, you little bitch. 
And we love this attitude, man. It was so unfamiliar. I don't think we had seen it before in WWF. He was supposed to be a bad guy, but at this point, we didn't give a fuck. This, this guy, he knows that he should have got that belt. He looks at Taker. He's like, you know what? I know we just uh, tag team to beat up the Hart Foundation, but you know what? You can catch a stunner too. Bah! Bye. I'll see you again, you little son of a bitch. And that's how we end this man the attitude era we go and maybe you know post take a time machine back talk to Ahmed Johnson and get him a new set of trousers Steve I don't know what the butterfly effect would be from that but I just really think that somebody somebody dropped the ball there so shame on them hey man hindsight is 2020 how that applies to an ass cheek but yep you're right the side of a hind i don't know but uh because of this condensed episode and and if you made it this far you rock thank you uh and we have any callbacks honorable mentions or switcheroo sir nope just calling back to main event rich dude we loved having you loved having him he's a great guest fucking awesome artist so just please Go check him out. His details are going to be in our details on this video. And we'll have him again soon. But it was fun, man. What a great guest. Yeah, man. Uh, but, dude, you got to upgrade that mic and, you know, get up out of that heart dungeon or wherever you were recording, man. Because we, we got to have you back, man. Because we, we like you that much. We like you that I mean, we only I'm, It's coming from a good place, Rich. It's an right? open invite with a little constructive criticism on the side. You know, it is what it is, but we, we love, it's all out of love. Yeah, man. But we got a show to run at the same time. Uh, but like in 1990, I don't know, uh, 93, uh, they have a two-parter in Full House, uh, The House Meets the Mouse. And the family goes to Disney World uh, or Disneyland. I don't know. They I went to the, one of those. I think it's the Disney. world. They go to the big bad boys. So I think they go to Orlando. Yeah, and this basically sets up their season finale. And uh, Stephanie, she's jealous of Michelle because she's being the princess of the Disney kingdom. And she basically stole her spot. It was something like uh, she was in front of her in line and she got lucky and she became princess. And just Stephanie has the, the middle child syndrome. And I think she ran away or some shit. Um, I already forgot. But in, just real quick, in 19... 1996 goosebumps is airing the episode be careful what you wish for and i just wanted to point that out because there's a pete davison looking doppelganger in there i shit you not man it might be him dude i think it's like a he's like part of the uh simulation steve because nothing makes sense so i think he's just been around forever and his giant cock is ruling everything so it is what it is i'm not surprised there civil war he was there for the fucking roman (laughs) empire and all of that man I love a Civil War note that's like, dearest Maybelline, my 10-inch cock's just waiting. (laughs) We'll cut that, Steve. Bleep. It's been a weird week. It's been a very weird week. Uh, Yeah, man, but eventually it'll be over. And please, uh, like, share, subscribe, and comment. Please tell your sister, bitch, please.
You're dealing with some real OGs. Check out Main Event Wrench on all his socials on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. Check out Crush Gas with Kendra every Wednesday. B3F Podcast with Joey and Steve. And don't worry, be movie with Amanda Wade. This is Steve G, Mad G, and Main Event Rich with Happening Happen in, in the, the 90s. 90s. What the fuck was that?